Amen. Well, we're starting a new series today, and um, to start this series, I'm going to change stools because I, I had to think light thoughts on this one. Look at that, oh that my thing gosh. moving around you. Yeah. I ought to give it to him. There are 50 pounds between us, I realize that, so I'm swapping this sucker. All right. Oh my, it's coming apart. I see if he can hold the towels. Oh, well, it's a miracle. Robert change us out his stool. <laughs> Let's talk about real life transformation. Hey, I, I can lay at your feet right now if you want. <laughs> I didn't oh my trust gosh! That thing. <laughs> oh well, it is good to see all of you. Welcome to Risen Life. Uh, this is Pastor Robert. I'm Pastor Kevin, and we team together in, in the preaching here often, and we're going to do that today. Here you get kind of two two preachers today, so. Uh, Two for the price of one, I said in the first service. And, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so. And we laughed about that between services. But anyway, um, what we're doing, here's what we're doing with this series. We're wanting to increase our emphasis on prayer this year. And what we want to do is take this four, these next four weeks. Pastor Kevin and I are going to be preaching together for four weeks in a row, so we'll see how that goes. But what we're going to do is take our vision statement of real life transformation and ask God in prayer how to drive that thing down into our strategy, these four things of how we connect, how are we doing with our growing, can we serve better, are we reaching adequately. And in prayer, asking him to change us, to transform us in real and practical ways in those four areas so that we are allowing him to do everything in us that he wants to do in us as expressed in that vision statement. It is our passion here at Risen Life to see lives transformed by the gospel. This is not just gathering for the fun of gathering. This is about life change. And everything we aim for and everything we do at all levels of the things that we do, we aim to see our lives change for the better, for our joy and God's glory. And, and so we are aiming to see this gospel. It's not just a message. It's a message that changes us. This gospel changes us from the inside out in profound ways that make our life more full. So over the next four weeks, we're going to be asking him what transformation needs to be taking place in us in these four areas of connect, grow, serve, and reach. Today we're going to talk about connect, and we're going to look at connecting in four different relationships. Okay? First off, how are we doing in our relationship with God? How are we doing? What transformation does there need to be in our relationship with our family? What transformation does there need to be in our relationship with our church? And how are we doing in our relationship with reach, with the community, with the world at large? So those are the four areas we're going to be looking at. And first off, we're going to be looking at our relationship with God. Yeah. So we were made to worship God. We were made to know God. Um, and the greatest thing God has ever done for us is reveal himself to us, to show us who he is, and to show us his amazing love for us. Uh, and he did that by sending Jesus, that we might see him, we might see what God would look like in human flesh. Uh, John 1.14 says that we have beheld him, and we've beheld his glory, all that he is, full of grace and truth. And so God has reached down to us and shown us himself. If he had not initiated the conversation, we never would have found him. If he had not revealed himself to Abraham in Genesis chapter 12, Abraham would have stayed in the darkness of idolatry that he had been raised in. The reason that we know Christ is because he revealed himself to us. Think about it. For thousands of years we went looking for God and the best we could do is worship a rock or a stump or the sun or some other nonsense like that. We, we were looking from the bottom up and it wasn't until he from the top down initiated the conversation and revealed himself to us in the exact representation of himself who is Christ. 
Christ that we ever even began to have a hope of realizing how good and kind and loving and forgiving he really is. So the Bible tells us, it's all through the scriptures, how God has sought us, where it says in Ezekiel 34, 11, behold, I, I myself will search for my sheep. Ezekiel 34, 16, I will seek the lost. Jesus, in a parable in Matthew 18, speaking of sheep, says, will he not leave the 99 sheep on the mountains that he already has and go in search of that one that went astray? And then I love this verse in Luke 19.10. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. And so God's heart is for us to come, to show himself to us, to seek us, to draw us to himself. And then, in fact, he says, now I have shown myself to you. And what I want you to do now in response to my seeking you, is to seek me. You come after me. You put some effort in seeking me. His question to Adam and Eve and the lostness of having eaten the fruit in the garden was, where are you? And he, he asks us the same question in seeking us, where are you? And now tells us, I want you to turn around and face me in seeking me. We go running after all these things to take care of our needs and our perceived needs. But he says, no, in Matthew 6, 3, 3, I want you to seek his kingdom first. And his righteousness and all of these other things will be added to us. In fact, God is so involved and so desirous of us to seek him that he uses our circumstances. He orchestrates our lives for the express purpose of getting us to seek him. In Acts 17, 26 and following, it says that he has determined the times and exact places. The day I'm going to be born, the day I'm going to die. The bedroom I'm going to sleep in, he has determined the times and exact places that we live, and he tells us why. So that we will seek him. And if we seek him, we will find him. Now, how many of you living in Utah go, oh dear God? Huh? You know what you're doing? You're seeking him. Your place where you live is serving its divinely appointed purpose, which is to get you to seek him. And his promise is, if we will seek him... We will find him because he's not far from any of us. In him we live and move and have our being. So how do we seek him? What are things? We're talking about connection here, connection with God. God has revealed himself to us. We are to respond to that. How do we seek him? And so we're going to talk about a few things. Uh, We commonly call these spiritual disciplines. They're things that we do. This relationship isn't one way. You need to do some things. There's some things that you can do to draw near to God, to get to know Him, to love Him, to walk with Him. Uh, And and one of the things that we should do, you are all doing here this morning, and that is you came to church. This is a good thing. Um, God has ordained that there would be something called the church, His family, and one way to seek Him is to come to church. Because when we come here, we get to hear the voice of God. We get to worship Him together. The Bible says that not only when we worship God, we actually sing songs to one another and encourage one another as we're singing to Him. And so we, we meet God here. God says things here that He doesn't say in other places. And so when you come to church, you're seeking Him to know Him and to love Him. Another discipline that He has given us to help us to connect with Him is just regular Bible study. Now, here's the reality. Most of us in this room are not going to study the Bible as much as those of us in this room who are committed to the Word of God in prayer. That's our life. That's our work. That's what we do. And so most of us are not going to be as in the Word as the preachers are. And we understand that. But just because you're not as good of a cook as Rachel Ray 
doesn't mean you shouldn't be able to put enough food together to keep yourself alive. Amen? We need to know, and you need to know the word in your life, its application, its context in your life. Allow the Holy Spirit to apply that verse to where you live so that you can adequately and better connect with the Father. And this can be done lots of different ways, but you need to figure out a way for yourself. Mm -hmm. Just because there's lots of different ways, don't sit there and go, I don't know which one to pick. Pick something, right? Do something. So you might just take a book of the Bible and just read a few verses a day and then just go the next few verses the next day and the next few verses the next day. But, but get a few verses. That only takes a couple of minutes. A couple of verses. What does it say? What does it say to me? And go out, right? Do it. Right? That's simple. Or you might choose to read more along the line of chapters or two or three or four chapters a day and get through the whole Bible in a year. There's lots of Bible reading plans. You can look them up on the internet, Bible reading plans, find out how to do that. But do something on a regular basis a daily basis aim for so that you're getting God's word into your heart so that you hear his voice and you're responding to him. It's really critical. Another way that we connect, how are we doing with this one, is just by praying. You know, we need to pray in our closet, pray in your car, pray for your meals, pray over your food. Just take a time somewhere along the way to stop long enough to say, golly gee, thanks. Somebody provided for me? Thank you. You know, the Bible says, I think it's in First Timothy, I don't remember, it's been a long time. It says that our food is sanctified by the Word of God in prayer. And so what Don and I used to do, we had a little a Bible sitting up on the window ledge there, and we'd take it down and read five verses out of the psalm, and then we'd pray over every meal. So it's sanctified by the Word of God in prayer. That's, that's one way we were trying to incorporate it. Don't read all of Ecclesiastes over your meal, but, you know... Just, just set aside a time. We talked to you several weeks ago about 10-2. 10-02, Luke 10-2 says, Pray the Lord of the harvest that he'll send laborers into the field. And we ask you to set your alarm, set some kind of reminder every day at 10-02 that we're going to pray for laborers to be sent into the field. We've been praying that verse for eight years. And if you're here in the past eight years, you are an answer to that prayer. That God has sent you here to be a laborer in this place. Will you ask God, how can I better connect with you this next week? What kind of real life transformation do we need, do I need in my life to help me better connect with who you are? And you can put prayer and Bible reading together. Mm -hmm. um, memorize some verses, a verse or two, right? Scott Cook, wherever he's at, he, he talks about scripture saturation, right? Get the scripture in your mind and just recite it. Just pray it back. And, and, and recite it in your heart and your mind. In my men's group this week, we were talking about um, taking Psalm 1 or Psalm 23 and just know it and just use it in a way to fight as a weapon to defeat the devil, right? Blessed is the man that walks not in the counsel of the ungodly or stands in the way of sitters or sits in the seat of the scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord and in his law he meditates day and night. And just, just recite these and they come as a chance to just pray and meditate and put the word of God together as a discipline. Now in order to help us in this area of prayer more, here's what we're going to do. Starting next Sunday at 9 o'clock, we're, we're going to offer, we're going to ask people to be involved in a church-wide prayer meeting here. Sunday mornings, 9 o'clock, right here going to pray for a few minutes, pray for the service, pray for the speakers, pray for the worship leaders, the overhead and the sound, uh, learning a new system on that overhead. That's a nerve-wracking thing. And you saw some glitches this morning to have a new system. And how nerve-wracking is it to be that guy? Uh, uh, to pray for the uh, children's workers and the, the Sunday school teachers. And what we're going to do next Sunday and the rest of this year 
Every Sunday morning at 9 o'clock, we have it in the back of the building, but starting next Sunday, we're going to have a prayer meeting in here at 9 o'clock. And we want to encourage you to be a part of that. Come and, come and be involved in that. But what we want to ask you this week is, will you pray and ask God, what areas of transformation do I need in my connection with you as my Father? Let's pray. Father, thank you for the opportunity, the invitation, the revelation of yourself so that we can connect with you in the first place. God, if it had not been for you, we'd have never found you. But Father, thank you for Jesus and your revelation of yourself in him. And Father, this next week, I want to ask that you speak to us in terms we can understand of those areas of transformation that we need to be concentrating on in our connection with you and deepening our relationship with you. Father, be glorified in this area, in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so the second uh, way we're going to connect that we're going to look at in this sermon is through family. Okay, we're going to go through God, family, church, and then the world here this morning. So family. Um, the Bible talks a lot about family. Uh, he has given us these little units um, that God has put together in various ways and shapes and forms and, um, and, and asked us to honor him in them, right? And Pastor Robert and I often say that what God has given as a family, he has also given uh, a sense of leadership, responsible, responsibility is placed in the husband's lap to be the pastor of the home, to shepherd the home. Um, and so uh, a husband, uh, when he wakes up in the morning, should say, okay, God, my first commandment before you, right? You are my God, I want to obey you, is to love that woman that you've put next to me. Thank you. Love her as Christ loved the church. And I say this to young men and old men alike when I meet with them. If you meet with me, you know you get this from me. Okay, what are you doing to love that woman next to you? What are you doing? That's the hardest thing we'll do in terms of just, just complicated and difficult. Not that women necessarily are difficult, though sometimes they can be. However, that is what we're called to do regardless, right? To love them, good days and bad. And it is the best thing we're called to do. And so, love them. And so how, what transformations do we need to have in our family in this relationship? Husbands, have we stepped up to the responsibility of being pastors? Wives, have we stepped up to the responsibility of making it easy for them to be our pastors? Making it easy for them to speak into our lives? Or is everything a, an argument, a fight, and a, no, that's the, you're, you're wrong, and let me tell you ten ways that you're wrong. He tells us in Ephesians 5, just like the church submits to Christ, in the same way that the church is called to submit to Christ, so the wife also should submit to their husbands and everything. Wives, are we making it easy for our husbands to lead us as their pastors? If there needs to be some work in that area, would you be willing to ask God this week for transformation in our connection in our families? Yeah. And then God gives us the blessing in his time and in his ways. It looks different for, for all families. He adds to their number children. Um, whom we are to train in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. We're to, we're to love them. And by the way, the best thing we can do for our children is to love each other as husbands and wives. That's the best thing you do. And then, doing that well, we are to train them to know God. And it is so important that they understand the gospel, that they are sinners just like you and I. And they need to hear mom and dad say, please forgive me to admit their sin before them and to see that they need forgiveness and receive forgiveness so that they understand what to do with their own broken tendencies. 
which is to seek the grace and the forgiveness of God in the context of the family. That's where they learn it. That's where they learn grace. That's where they learn love. That's where they learn we can be real and honest with our flaws and experience God's forgiveness and his help. That is what is transforming in the family, and that's what we want to teach our children. And the calling of the parents is to train their children toward righteousness, not to nag them and harass them away from aggravating behavior. And there's a very real difference. It's to train them toward righteousness. And just because it's aggravating or embarrassing for you does not mean that what they're wanting to do is that wrong. You know, the color of their hair is not nearly as important as the condition of their heart. And we've seen a lot of little old ladies with blue hair. If if it's okay for the geriatrics, it should be okay every now and then, right? Amen? Amen? Somebody? Blue-haired Bloody Mary Brigade? It's not a matter of does that activity embarrass me or aggravate me. It's a matter of how can I train this child toward righteousness. And that's what we're called to do in, 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 in Ephesians 6, 4. Don't provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition, in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Press them toward the Lord rather than away from. And folks, the closer you get to Jesus, the farther you get from the sin anyway. Amen? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So moms and dads, your first disciples, and we're taught, called to go and make disciples of all nations, your first disciples are those little kiddos that are under your roof. To teach them to walk in righteousness. Now, one of the things that has worked, and I think it works because it's a God of the principle, uh, is to understand that relationship is the context with which you train them. Mm-hmm. To have a loving relationship with them. Spend time with them. Know them. Be there with them. Because rules without relationship equals rebellion. And so we want to be people that are in relationship with our kids. They know our faults. I have an honest relationship with my children about my own flaws. They know how I need grace. And then we give it to them and we teach them that. And I just have an intimate relationship with them so that it becomes a context for teaching them how to walk with Jesus. And that's what we need to do. And when we walk in honesty and relationship with our kids, it makes it easier for them to obey their parents in the Lord because it is right. And it makes it easier for them to honor their father and their mother so that it will go well with them and they'll live long on the earth. Parents, when we as parents look at our kids and say, oh, blew at that time, I'm really sorry. When we learn how to apologize to our kids, it makes it easy for our kids to realize, to see what righteousness in flesh, in daily life, looks like. And here's the reality. I said it in the first service, and he stayed in here the second service. I guess to see if I'll say it again. I apologized to my oldest two kids more than the other three combined. Man, you know, I've said it before, the first one's kind of a throwaway. They're not, but you get the, you know, you're going to make all your mistakes. And we have had to apologize, especially to the first one, and then to the second one also, so much. But what that does is it lets them see mom and dad are going to make mistakes. It doesn't matter what age they come to you at with a frustration. If you as the parent, as you as the leader, are willing to quickly say, I am really sorry. There might be more to that story that you don't know, but just for the record, I am really sorry to have been an offense to you. It makes it so that it's easier for them to walk in obedience to God's commands for them also. So we're going to take a moment and just pray for each of these segments of this sermon. Um, so let's just moment, momentarily here pray for our families. Can we do that? Let's pray. Lord, thank you that uh, you have chosen to put us in families, you say even in Psalms that you put the lonely in families. Sometimes it's the church family, God. Sometimes it's our biological family. But God, you put us in relationship with people. And so thank you for families. Thank you for the instructions of your word that guide us, that lead us 
on a pathway that is, that is bright and gets brighter day by day. Thank you for the instructions given to, to the husbands to, to lead, to pastor, to shepherd their family. Thank you for uh, the call to love our wives. Father, help men in this church to love their wives as Christ loved the church, to lay down their lives for them. God, to live with them in an understanding way. Help wives to respect and honor their husbands and the call on their lives, to encourage them and to strengthen them, to be partners in life with them. Oh God, build love between our spouses, God, in this church family. And God, may we have a generation of children in this church that rise up and praise you and honor you and serve you and go out on mission for you. Lord, make this unique in that regard. Thank you for our kids. Thank you even for the first service that a person, a, a child in a home was baptized and declared Jesus as his Savior. Lord, let that just be multiplied across this congregation that children proclaim you. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So we've looked at transformation in our connection with God, transformation in our connection with family. And now let's think for a few minutes about transformation in our connection with the church. How well are you connected with the church? And we can sit back and say, well, the church is full of hypocrites. Well, of course it is. It has people in it. Church will be perfect as, full, as soon as all those people are gone. You know, my aunt said she loved teaching school except for all those children. And we, we can understand that. But here's, here's the reality. The church, with all of its problems, all of its all, everything we can point to and say, oh, this is wrong. Here's the reality. The church is still the bride of Christ, and grooms never take kindly to people talking bad about their bride. And it is still the means by which he has given to the earth for us to associate with him in the company of believers and it is his best idea for getting the gospel out oh friend we don't want to be talking bad about the church he said don't forsake this church don't forsake assembling together putting yourselves together with being hooked together with someone that's not it didn't limit it to go to all the services he said don't forsake them but here's the opposite encourage one another be involved in someone's life especially as the the day approaches you can go to all the services and still forsake the assembly if you haven't encouraged someone somehow been involved in their life whose life are you involved with you hear it commonly said well uh, someone walks in the church well the church is filled with hypocrites and welcome <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> yes we are but that's why we come together it's for growing up together. We are to build one another up. Look at all the times in the New Testament you hear this term, one another. To encourage one another, to love one another, to serve one another, to build one another up. These are where we're, the Bible says in Proverbs 17, 17, to sharpen one another. As iron sharpens iron, we're to sharpen one another. This is why we come together. Yes, we bring all kinds of flaws into this building when we walk through this door. So that, as a body of believers, we can challenge each other Spur one another on to love and good deeds and grow up together. We need each other. The Bible tells us in Hebrews 10 what to do when you get here. It says be involved in somebody's life. If you're the last one in and the first one out, I'm sorry. You're forsaking the assembly. If you're not involved in somebody's life somehow, either Sunday morning, during the week, if you're waiting for somebody to call you up, I'm sorry, your phone dials out. If it doesn't, we can get you on a better plan, real cheap, right? I'll put you on with my 10, you know. That, we have been told what to do, and that is encourage, one, be involved in someone's life. But then in Hebrews 3.13, he tells us why to do that. Listen to what it says. It says, exhort one another, encourage one another daily, as long as it's called today. Why? So that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. 
You know, sin's going to lie to you. It's going to whisper to you. It's going gonna, it's gonna to lean over and whisper in your ear, it's not that big of a deal. Nobody will know. Friends, that's, that's sin lying to you. And we need relationship. The way that I walk in victory over sin is I have people in my life that I can talk with about it. The first one is my wife. I can tell her I'm being tempted with this. Just bringing it to the light breaks the power of darkness. And another major one is Pastor Kevin. I can talk with him, and he can, he can punch me in the nose. He's bigger than Donna. He can get away with it. So I'll give him the wobbly stool next time. But to have people in our lives who are qualified, we have given them permission to speak, and we choose to listen when they tell us we can do this thing. Encourage and challenge to walk rightly. Sometimes I don't know if we realize how important the church is. And... It being a regular part of our lives and being a centerpiece in our lives and how it saves us and rescues us and keeps us on a path uh, that is good for us and away from destruction. Uh, When my wife and I were 21 and newly married, uh, we moved 2,000 miles away from both our sets of parents to the east and we landed in a cornfield in Iowa and there we were. And the first thing we did on Sunday morning was go to church. And in those days, they had Sunday night services, and we went to Sunday night service. And in those days, they had Wednesday night services, and we went to Wednesday night service. And they looked at us in that church like, you guys are crazy. You're 21. You ought to be doing better things than this. Why are you here so often? Right? I mean, they like, we blew them away. But look it. Here it is. I wouldn't be here today if we hadn't done that. Right? You start going to church. You hear the voice of God. You get around God's people, and it keeps you on a good path. Right? And I raised my children in the church, and my kids love the church. You know, a lot of pastors can't say this, but churches have been good to our family, and I'm really grateful. And my kids love the church, and they go to church. And guess what? As a dad, I'm going, okay, it's going to be all right, because they're going to hear the message of God. They're going to be around God's people. And so this year, when I had family, my oldest son and daughter-in-law moved to the south about, I don't know how many hundreds of miles, too many hundreds, 700 or so. Guess what's the first thing they did? They found a church. And Pastor Kevin breathes easy. Right? Because they'll be with God's people and they'll hear his voice and they'll walk with him. It's critical to our lives. So there are internal benefits that we receive that flow to us when we are rightly connected with God's church. Are you rightly connected? We, we receive encouragement and blessing, but there are also outward benefits that accrue to that also. In John 13, 33, by this shall all men, this is a form of evangelism, by this shall all people know that you're my disciples. If you can just be in the same room with each other and not kill somebody. That, that's a good way, because how many in the world just can't stand being around each other? How many of them can't work together long term? They're not going to work out the problems. They're not going to deal with the difficulties of life. So they just break their relationship. But Jesus said, by this shall all men know that you're my disciples, that you just have love for one another. It is not only an internal benefit, but friends, there are evangelistic outbound benefits to the church being rightly connected with one another. And he calls us into that connection with this church. Look, both Pastor Robert and myself, we really have a kingdom mindset about the church. This sermon is not about Risen Life Church. This sermon is about the church, right? And there's lots of good gospel, Bible-teaching churches in this valley, all right? And so we want you to be in church. Don't get me wrong. We're glad you're here today. Mm-hmm. But more importantly, we want you to be in church somewhere. Mm-hmm.
connected with a church family. And if for some reason this one doesn't fit you, that's fine with us. But find a church that fits you and plug into it and be a part of it. Because it is important to your walk with God. Let's pray. Father, as we consider, as we look at this connection with your church, Father, by your Holy Spirit, would you please speak to us those areas where we're not rightly connected, where we're still depending on ourselves, sufficient in ourselves. And God, bring us to a place of repentance to be able to say, no, I do need someone outside of myself. That we will take the risk, and we will make the effort, we will make the phone call, and choose to be obedient to you in assembling, connecting with those that you have placed around us, not only for what we benefit from it, that it helps us not to be deceived by sin, but also, Father, for the evangelistic benefit it provides to show the world that it is possible for people to connect, to unite around a common goal, Jesus is Lord, and their salvation and no one other than him. And it draws people to a relationship with you because of our relationship with you. For the kingdom. Amen. Well, then and finally this morning in connecting, connecting with uh, the world, uh, we have been given this great, amazing joy and privilege of being God's vehicles, God's ambassadors to bring the message of the gospel to others. And we are to connect with people in the world for the purpose of showing them what it's like to live for Jesus and to share with them how they too can walk with him. It is easy for us as Christians to become so insular and so isolated from the world that we look around and all we have are Christian friends. And we look at it and say, well, 2 Corinthians 6 says, come out from among them, don't touch the unclean thing, have nothing to do with the unfruitful right works of darkness. And we get that, but at some point he looks at us and says, you're supposed to be salt, you're supposed to be light, you're supposed to be a a candle on a, a stick not hidden under a bushel. And, and salt, its highest purpose is not to sit in the salt shaker in the middle of the table. Its purpose is to be out of the salt shaker and into the green beans that have been cooked too, too long in the south so that you can eat them without any teeth. It's to be on the meat, giving flavor to life. It's to get out of the salt shaker and be involved in the lives of other people. Whose lives are you involved with for the express purpose of having a relationship with lost folks? bringing Jesus to them? Have we become so insulated in our Christian associations that we just don't even have lost friends anymore? Friends, that needs to change. So we encourage people in our congregation, our fellowship, to do something we call pray and watch. comes out of Colossians 4 where we make a short list of people, it can be a long list for that matter, of people that we come across in our neighborhoods and at work and uh, in our, our hobbies that, that, that we want to see come to know Jesus in a personal way and to make that list and then pray for them. To pray for people who don't yet know Jesus personally. We need to pray because God uses our prayers to open up doors and it also opens up our eyes to see when we can love them and serve them in special ways. Let's pray that God will use us to be his ambassadors to reach those around us. Do you realize that God has given you everything that you have for the purpose of interacting you with people around you, the hobbies that you have, the interests that you hold, 
Who is it that you associate, even in your hobbies? Would you be willing to say, God, use my hobbies to connect me with the world around me for the sake of bringing them the gospel? Tomorrow night, Don and I are having some friends that we've made in one of our hobbies over to our house for dinner. We don't know their lifestyle, don't care. That's not the, that's not the biggest issue. The biggest issue is do they know Jesus? Now, lifestyle will flow out of that. But friends, the number one question is, have you accepted Jesus as your Savior? And we cannot begin to ask them that question if we have not built a relationship with them. How are we going to do this thing with people over the long haul if we're not in relationship with them? So what is it that you do that you're interested in? Would you be willing to say, God, I need some work transformation in this area to help me connect more effectively with lost folks around me? We want you uh, today as you listen and Sunday by Sunday listen. Okay, what is God saying to me this morning out of this sermon? What area do I need to connect in? What area is God talking to me to take some specific steps in connecting with God and connecting in our families and connecting with the church and connecting with the world and determined to take some new fresh steps uh, this week? You know, as we look at this, we realize that there's going to be a long-term effect. This is, this is, a, this is a lifelong trek that we are on here. But I want to encourage you, as you pray every day this week, now I would guess that one of these four things has kind of stood out to you more than the others. Would you be willing every day this week to take that one and say, God, I want transformation in this area. And I know this is a long haul, it's a lifetime operation, but God, I'm asking you, I'm asking you for some, some immediate changes today too. I want to see something this week. I want to see some real change in my walk. Would you be willing to hear what he has to say and then step out and do it? Would you be willing to pray that this week? That's our homework for this week. We're going to give you homework every week during this series. You happy about that? Bring your three-ring binder. Um, would you be willing to pray every day this week? Not only tend to, Lord, to harvest, send laborers into the field. But would you be willing to pray, God, how am I doing in my connection with you, my connection with my family, my connection with my church and my connection with the world around me. Father, transform me until Christ is formed in me in these areas. And you can come on up, you know, and it, it was really cool about, I think, this whole um, teaching on connecting and building relationship is that this just comes out of the heart of God, that our God from all eternity has been in relationship, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, loving glorifying, blessing each other in ways that are rich and satisfying. God doesn't need us. He's satisfied in himself in the relationships he has within the perfect Holy Trinity, but he's chosen to make us to enjoy this kind of connection and to really just simply be image bearers of people who connect, who love, who bless one another. It's an amazing thing. It's the worship of God. And that's what we want to do. Let's, let's just pray. Father, thank you for all you are doing. Father, thank you for the privilege of connecting with people. Thank you that we get to connect with those that don't yet know you and share Jesus with them. And so, Father, help us to be a people who build our relationships in a way that honors you and blesses us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.